Welcome to the Socialette Podcast, where we empower you with the marketing know-how you need to create the business of your dreams. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a marketing nerd, Shiraz lover, and passport stamp collector. Join me as I dive into all things small business marketing and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get learning. Hey, welcome to episode 12 of Socialette. And this episode is a little bit different to our usual bite-sized lessons. This episode, I'm chatting with the lovely Helen and Jackie from Two Girls and a Laptop. Helen and Jackie are the girls behind the laptop. They live with their families in Brisbane and collectively, they have over 35 years of experience in sales and marketing. They work directly with small business owners offering tailored personalized action plans to help them define, create, and implement their goals into actionable steps. They also offer group training in the form of workshops and online courses specializing in email marketing and social selling. So these ladies really know what they're talking about. Some of the things we talk about in this chat includes goal setting, strategy, profiling your ideal customer, and email marketing. There is a lot of gold in this episode, so I highly recommend listening to the entire thing. Also, we're going to be looking at a lot of email marketing this week, so this episode is the perfect way to kick it off. Helen and Jackie are running a five-day email marketing challenge. It's free, so if you want to sign up, head to stephtaylor.co forward slash 12, and the link to sign up is there. All right, let's jump in. Hi, ladies. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So before we get started, would you like to tell us what does Two Girls and a Laptop actually do? Sure. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess we probably can start with why we came up with that name. Um, Yeah, I love the name. (laughs) Yeah, literally because... We are two girls um, with a laptop, but we do have one each. (laughs) So what we like to say is that we um, work with small businesses, um, quite often solopreneurs or entrepreneurs. Um, We do a lot of work with um, mumpreneurs as well, Um, but really any small business, um, helping them with strategize around general business planning and a marketing and digital strategy. So we like to think that we can support them with working on their business rather than in their business. Yeah, I love that. And that's something we'll definitely talk about later on in this episode. So you're both ex-corporate as well, like me and probably like a lot of our listeners. How did you get to where you are now? Like what make you what made you take the plunge? So yeah, we worked um, at a telco together for, we probably worked together for about 10 years. I think Hells was there for over 15 and I was there for about 11. So Throughout those years, we did, you know, climb the ladder and um, became really good friends throughout that experience and journey. We spent so much time together, as you do when you're in corporate sales, you're always traveling and going to conferences and things like that. So that sort of is where we carved out our experience. We worked um, with the retail stores, so with the franchise network. So we got a really good experience. experience and exposure to helping small business owners with all facets of the business so not just the sales and marketing side but the operations and staff and training um a lot of planning a lot of um, forecasting and things like that so it sort of gave us the chance to work for a big corporation but work actually with the individual small business owners so we both got to a point in that career where we just felt like 
Well, we wanted more than a capsule lifestyle, <laughs> I think is what we say. Yeah. But um, I decided to take time out and go backpacking through Central and South America. That sounds amazing. Quite life-changing. And I think, Hells, at that point you went and became a yoga instructor. I did. Wow. <laughs> I left the corporate lifestyle altogether. I guess we, we separated in terms of we lived on other sides of the globe, but we um, yeah, still we, remained friends. Yeah, we lived in London after the yeah. year off. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of came back. Um, had, together, a couple, had a couple of kids. Had a couple of kids. <laughs> Three now. That's right. Um, combined. <laughs> and, um, not with each other. No. <laughs> not with the same father either. Um, and, yeah, sort of um, I sort of branched out and did a couple of other small business activities, I guess, and, and ran a couple of little businesses myself. And then we identified um, an opportunity in the market through some of the clients that I'd been working with and had a chat and sort of always knew that we'd wanted to work together again in some way and it's yeah that's where we came up with it wow it's such a great idea and you both took a much more strategic approach to setting up your business than um, most small business owners do so what process did you go from idea through to kicking it off sure so we actually when we just we were walking the day that we decided to do it So the first thing we really did was we sat down and we worked out why we wanted to do it. So we started with our why, which is something that we talk about a lot. Yeah, and that's something (laughs) we'll probably need to touch back on again. Yeah. So really what what was the motivating factor to why we wanted to start the business and then we came at that from more of a real personal um, personal aspect, not just because we saw a gap in the market, but what, what was our motivator. And and obviously we we did that separately and together. Yeah. Yep. And, then, and then we had a look at um, just we had an idea of what we thought would work in the market that we wanted to play in, but we wanted to sort of validate our thoughts. So we did a little bit of research with our target market. Um, we already had some feedback, I guess, through the experience that we'd had with some of the small businesses that and Jackie had come and worked with me on a couple of those as well. That was the social media yeah, business. Yeah. yeah. And so we wanted to just um, make sure that, the idea that we had that we thought was great was going to actually work out there in the market. So I think that's a really important one for a lot of people because whilst it can be a passion for you or it could be an idea that you think is great, it may not actually fly. You need need to quantify it. And I think when you quantify, you also need to test out some pricing as well because, Mm. um, yeah, I just think you're just going to make sure that the the target market that you're going for is prepared to pay the price that you want to charge. Definitely. Initially, yeah. um, one step we did actually before we did the research was we profiled our ideal customer. But interestingly, we profiled her, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> We've given her a name. And she's Catherine with a K. Yeah, we, we're very <laughs> we specific. Her, um, separately. Oh. And then we and then we bought our results together just to yeah. see because um, at that point that it was really in its infancy and it was just interesting to see if we had it in our mind, if we were going after the same like ideal customer. And we were. We were. That's great. Yeah. Which yeah. Was great. So just going back a step to when you were saying quantifying the idea, what advice would you give to a small business owner or somebody who's thinking of starting a small business who's just had an idea? How can they work out whether their idea is worth pursuing? I think a lot of people, well, a lot of the clients that we sometimes deal with, if it's say a product, even a service-based business, but for an example, if it's a product-based business, um, you can sort of, you can actually put it out there without having to invest a lot. And 
And if you manufacture or make or create some sort of product, you know, there's great platforms like Etsy, you know, these free sort of sites that you can go on. You can actually create, in effect, an online shop that's not going to cost you anything other than the operational expenses to run it. Um, There's also an argument to say there's, you know, it probably contradicts what we talk about when we get into more of our strategic marketing strategy. But, you know, if you do have something and you put it out there on your socials, whether that's your personal pages or not, and get some interest back from people, um, then you can start to get some feedback from them, your friends, your family. But then, you know, once you start to get into a bit more of a serious play around starting to invest your money personally or, you know, getting some investment from, you know, other capital from other people, I think you need to go down a bit more of a serious track of getting some really good research done yeah. outside of your immediately friends and family. <laughs> they will always um, tell you that yeah. your That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah. um, we did it with, um, and, and this I think is still really valid for a lot of people, there's a lot of Facebook groups and communities out there now oh, yeah. that support small business, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are all part yeah. of as well. So many. Um, and we actually did it within a Facebook group um, and interestingly, I think we were talking about before the podcast, some of them actually turned into paying clients for us, yeah. but we actually put it out there with our initial product um, and we offered a free service so that we could not only gauge the feedback as to whether it was wanted, mm-hmm. but also fine tune our own product, our own pricing, yeah. and also validate whether Catherine was actually looking for what we were providing. So um, I think to start with, there's some cheap and easy ways that you can do it. Um, but you can also need to move down the funnel of actually going into a little bit more of a serious nature. Yeah, like you can put, like, just going back to Helen's earlier point, you can put a toe in the water, particularly if it's a product. You can put a toe in the water through Facebook Marketplace or Etsy to actually get some traction there before you go and jump in with Mm. a huge amount of, um, you know, web presence investment. And that type of thing, yeah. but also I had another point and I've just totally lost it. <laughs> I've actually got a really good practical example um, of a client that um, I used to work with and um, she w- – this is in social media management – and she was actually um, – you know, she came and, and said to me, I need to be posting twice a day. I need to be increasing my posts. So, and I said, okay, why? And she said, I just need to. I just need to because that's what I have to do. And I said, you know, so how's your business going? And um, she was a service-based business, also manufacturing, but um, she said, oh, I'm so full on. I'm so busy. I've got more clients than I can, you know, support. Um, I have to shut down my Etsy store because – Um, I'm getting too many inquiries from my website and vice versa. And I said, okay, hold on a minute. You're in a great position. Is it profitable? Which it was for her. Um, You don't have to post twice a day. Like you've got a profitable running business. And also if Etsy is providing you with enough people (laughs) to continue and why do you have to even worry about your, you know, your website you know, yeah, like that, yeah. that's not necessarily something that you have to dive into straight away, you know, as you grow and as you maybe scale and as you maybe get more people in to support you, then that's certainly somewhere you can go. But don't think that you have to jump and make this big leap. You know, you can actually work really well with yeah. what you've got. So for someone who's done that, they've dipped their toe in the water, they've started with social media, how, but they're not, um, 
they're not quite at the point where they can offer their services for free or give away their products for free. How else would you recommend somebody undertake some market research? Yeah, I think competitive landscape. Um, I think that there's probably a lot of people out there that we maybe see in the closed Facebook groups that have gone and bought out a product that is so similar to so like to yeah. in, in, a, in a really saturated market. Um, and I think we talk to our customers about, um, particularly when they're fleshing out the unique selling proposition, mm-hmm. we talk about um, doing your due diligence and really looking at the market that you're going into. Now, what we always say as a caveat is don't let this turn into a, a comparison because it's yeah. not about that, but it is about understanding who else is in that competitive market, what is their price, what are they doing that's diff- and how can you differentiate yourself? And if you're going into a market selling soy candles and there's, you know, a good so 300 out brands out yeah. there that don't really have a lot of point of differentiation between them, then perhaps mm-hmm. that's maybe not the market for you. So I think, yeah, the competitive yeah. landscape is really important and just to really carve out where you're going to be different. You, you know, not everyone wants to compete on price, so you really need to be looking at that unique selling proposition and seeing how you can really just carve out that, additional niche for yourself that's so important I think so many people get really romantic about their business ideas and they don't really think about the actual logistics of it whether Mm -hmm. yeah who they're competing against what the market looks like yeah so why do you think that why do you think it is that so many businesses fail in the first year do you think it's the idea or the execution Financial financial planning. Yeah, but I think to the execution, I guess. A little bit, but I actually think it comes down to unrealistic expectations, which is something that we also did before we started ours. And we, I guess, through our experience and knowledge is power and working not only in a space in our corporate days where we saw a lot of businesses fold, um, but we also have seen a lot, you know, thrive. But um I think we sat down and said, what is our financial goal as well? And we were realistic about not only the money we wanted, but also the hours that we've got available to us. We're both working mums who have young families. So we have effectively built a business on part-time hours for us. You know, I think you have to have a really realistic vision of what you need to do. But I also think, you know, if people expect to make money from day one, then they're already going to be set up to fail a little bit because you know that's just not going to happen there's an investment that needs to be made regardless of your size um not only in your time and your resources but just basic fundamental things of small business land now um so i i think unrealistic expectations and goals not being met um, yeah is one of the reasons and i think also um one thing that Helen and I did is we sat down and we worked out what skills, what skill sets were required for us to get the business off the ground and what we had between mm. us and what we were prepared to learn and what we had to outsource. Yeah, okay. So, and, you know, even going into it that deeply, we've still probably, probably Helen more than me, has invested probably 20 hours trying to nut something out that we ended up outsourcing in the end anyway. <laughs> just I think we've you, all done that though. <laughs> yeah, you want to DIY, but yeah. you just have to be realistic about what you can what you can DIY and learn or what you're prepared to because 20 hours to us is a huge amount of time. Exactly. That's, well, it is that's, a, well, that's a whole part-time week. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but no, probably <laughs> no. Not. But there's certain things and I think we probably if we had our time again, we'd probably be a little bit more decisive about that. And, yeah. and cut it off earlier and go, no, we're going to outsource that. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's being realistic about your skill sets as well. At what stage would you recommend people outsource? Do, do you recommend outsourcing right from the start before they've started making money or once they've tested the viability of the idea? Um, one. Yeah, I think it comes down to budget as well because yeah. as much as we can say it's, it, it's good to outsource, it always falls back on too well. <laughs> do you have the money yeah, to do Do you that? have the money to do it? So, um, But I certainly think if, you know, if you are going into business and you have a realistic expectation around what your financial forecast is going to be not only with what income you want to generate but also what you know the expenses are, then when you do put some investment behind it, you can probably strategically consider whether your money is better spent in one place or another. And that's where, you know, definitely if you if you have the ability and some funds to do it and you know your skill set is not in web one development or arena. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, another example of a client that we've just actually started working with who is starting out with an e-commerce site. Um, she actually asked us the other day around what platform, you know, would yeah. she recommend, et cetera. And we gave her some of our thoughts. But the other thing we said is, look, it will be an investment up front. But um, to, you know, if if your sole product is a retail online, you know, piece, then you need to have your website perfect because that's exactly, yeah. that's, that's your, your shop, shop, that's front. Your shop front. So you may invest upwards of $1,500 in the start, but you're going to have something that is personalized, tailored to your business. You're going to be trained on something that you can then ongoing manage. And I think, unfortunately, I've seen the other end of the spectrum where people have just done it themselves, but that's where they've got to month six, month seven, things aren't working the way they want it to work. They want to do a cross promotion and their pop-ups not working or, you know, just little fundamental things that if I had have invested in the start with an expert, then yeah. um, they would have laid yeah. the foundation to scale. Yeah. I think websites are a huge one, especially yeah. because if you're going to invest money and time into marketing your business, you want a website that can actually convert those people. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So you ladies mentioned a little bit earlier that a huge part of your business was setting or was deciding what your why was. Mm-hmm. And why, why do you think your why is so important? Because when times get tough and you want to throw in the towel, <laughs> you revert back and go, this is why we're doing it. This is, yeah. you know, this is what is our passion and what's the, you know, the prime motivator um, because it's tough. It's, it it's tough. an emotional roller coaster, and mindset is so important. And yeah, you've got it. We're really lucky um, that we have partners that, you know, are able to support us financially um, to a degree. So we we've been able to let the business grow at the pace, at the right pace for us. Yeah. And some people, you know, they throw their whole life savings into their business, and you know, they really they really need it to provide them with an income. And that's when I think there's even more skin in the game with yeah. the emotional and the, the mindset side of things. So the why is like it's that little <laughs> flame that burns yeah drives you along and I think to an extent it also drives the goals that you set do you agree with that yeah yeah oh, absolutely definitely yeah and we we've just revisited, we revisited us. yeah oh yeah yeah just to make sure that it was still um on track which it was yeah. <laughs> so why do you think goal setting is so important because oh, it flows into it, well, everything. <laughs> it flows into everything. So you know the business, the top level business goal flows into the marketing plan. We'll call it sales and marketing because the small business owners we generally yeah. just to put them together, yeah. they're one and the same. You need to understand what that top 
level goal is so that then you can understand what your marketing um, strategy needs to deliver for for you to be successful. And what sort of goals should people be setting in their first few years? So is it enough to just set some financial goals or what other goals should they be including? I think financial goals are really important because they translate into sales goals. Yeah. um, And that determines the viability of the business. And it also gives you something to measure and, um, you know, also the individual elements of the marketing strategy, for example. You can then, you know, break down what social media can deliver the business, what email marketing can deliver. So I I think financial is really important. But there's a lot of other quantitative goals out there. I think, um, you know, like what will come out of your why (laughs) um, and also the financial goals and, you know, your development of your product or your service will ultimately also be um, your business objectives. So, um, you know, it could be simple as growing your subscriber file to 50 in the first three months or, you know, it doesn't have to be um, a huge but or large number is what I'm saying, but as long as it's achievable. And we always go back to our corporate days where we learned about SMART goals, um, which we talk about a lot, but I think it's a really good framework for people to actually understand and put something that's achievable there. Um, able to be measured yeah able to be measured and um of look of all the clients that we've dealt with in this space generally they come to us because they're also looking for support to help with goal setting because Mm. and and we completely get this like i mean we've got the benefit of bouncing ideas off each other and keeping ourselves you know accountable but when you work by yourself and i've done this it, you know, it can be isolating and yeah. there's only so many times that you can talk to your partner about something. Or your dog. If they're not, yeah. <laughs> or your child. Exactly. Um, and I think, you know, it's sometimes you just want to validate your own thoughts and quite often we'll have a session with clients where um, they know the, they answer. Know the answer but mm-hmm. they just are seeking some validation and maybe, you know, some framework on how they can get from point A to point B. So, um, yeah, I, I mean... I don't think that a business can survive without goals. No. I think it will just flounder or it will just continue to go in the same position. And the other thing, actually, I thought of when you were asking about, you know, different types of goals is I think um, it can actually – it sounds like a goal, but I really think it's actually a branding and a value. I think, you know, the why, one of our whys is helping women in, in small business and that desire to support – like-minded women is probably kind of a business goal but it's actually probably a value or, or a mission and yeah it's more like your mission or your vision yeah goals. so yeah. while it sort of starts almost yeah. as a goal it just flows into a different part yeah. of the of our identity which comes through you know in our in our content and things like that so so what what should someone be taking into consideration when they're setting goals so that they can set goals that they'll actually achieve rather than ones that just get shoved to the side. I think the smart. Yeah, 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 that being able for it to be um, achievable and measurable and timely. But I also think, um, I think getting, this is so boring, but getting back to finances, I think even understanding what you, like it's all well and good to focus on the top line revenue number, but if you don't know your costs number, then you don't know your net profit. And without knowing that, you don't know if you're making money. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't know your margin. So it's all very well and good making a huge revenue, but if you're not making a profit, then... Yeah, like if you're spending everything, you know, if you've got your outgoings are, you know, the same as your incomings, then you yeah. might find yourself in a bit of a bind. Yeah. So 
Sorry to bring it back to finances. <laughs> no, <laughs> so no, but I think um, as well, you know, like, and it, and it goes with your financial goals, but you do need to be specific. You need to, they need to be measurable. They need to be achievable, yeah. relatable and um, timely. Timely. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> you know, that exactly what you said, there's no use saying I'm going to make $100,000 this year if you've got no understanding of what it's going to cost to make a hundred thousand dollars so or how many widgets you need to sell yeah or what percentage of each widget that you sell is actually a cost exactly yeah yeah Yeah. so moving away from goal setting you ladies are both quite big on spending time defining who your ideal customer is and building that profile (laughs) i know we really (laughs) we really overbake this but we just can't like we can't let it go because we just think it's so important i'm the same though i think it's so important why why do you think it's important because if you try to talk to everybody, you end up talking to nobody. <laughs> There's so many cliches that we could say. Yeah, if, if you <laughs> try to be everything yeah. to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. Yeah, That's right. it's the same thing. And, you know, we don't, we're not Coca-Cola. We don't have these huge, massive budgets to to spend on marketing. We have to be considered. And I think a lot of small businesses these days are using content marketing. The, the good ones are using it really yeah. successfully. And um, in order to do that, you know, content marketing works really well because you're able to connect with people and build a warm audience. But you need to know who they are to connect with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so much of it's emotional. uh, Yeah, I honestly think it's the hidden um, trick that a lot of small business owners miss and it's something that's so simple in theory (laughs) after we talk about it but that it can just – it changes your life in terms of, you know, all the directions, all those goal setting, you know, everything that you actually do – when you when you're working through your actions of your small business, I think yeah. it's it's a massive thing. Um, it it hones in and narrows down where you have to be um, and who you have to talk to, so that you you don't feel like you're sort of out there in limbo land and nobody's hearing you. So um, yeah, I think it's I think it's it's the, a cornerstone. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything. It yeah. kind of like overlays everything. Yeah. Where do you think most people go wrong with profiling their ideal customer? They do it in their head. <laughs> and I also they think, think they know them yeah, in yeah. their head when they don't write it on paper I think they also go too broadly like I think you know it's well and good to say we could easily say we you know we look after female small business owners but that is a massive yeah. space you know that could go from you know somebody who is running you know a five store sort of outlet type thing because that's all still considered small business to somebody who is just working in their own Etsy space um you know so we've really we absolutely honed down right through to what do they read what podcast do they listen to you know what do they eat (laughs) what else do they spend their money on yeah yeah, yeah I, I agree. So many people go really broad and they'll say like female aged 18 to 55 living in Australia. <laughs> That's right. yeah. Yeah, um, we see that a lot too. Yeah. But we've had some really big wins from, you know, from actually fine-tuning our own customer profile and we've seen it happen with some of our clients too, right, down to listening and understanding what podcast they're on, following them on a Facebook group or following that group and then getting a direct lead from somebody who said, I saw you. Yeah. engaging on this particular podcast you know because wow. we know that's where they hang out 
So yeah. we hang out with them because it's like, we, you know. We are them. We are them. Well. And, and I think that is a big thing as well. Like in most instances when we speak to people, particularly in the market that we're dealing with, when they do their customer profile, they're pretty much profiling themselves in some way, <laughs> shape or form. That's not to say you always Because everybody gets to. a business idea about a gap in the market that they've seen so that, that they wanted a product or they wanted a service that wasn't there or they could yeah. do better. So they're quite, that's quite often where the business idea is. Yeah. Um, born so yeah it just comes down to hanging out engaging and you know being active in those communities and then I think your brand or your business will become known as well so it it absolutely reaps rewards for us and benefits and I think it does for our clients as well for people whose ideal customer isn't active in Facebook groups or they can't find like a particular Facebook group where their ideal customers all hang out how can they find out more about their customer they can, if they've already an established business, they can glean so much from um, looking into their Google Analytics data. Mm-hmm. Um, you get all the demographics, so age, location, gender, language, yeah. their interests, um, which is huge, like the market and the affinity categories of interests. Yeah. You know, the, um, their other, if they're on, if this particular business is, is on Instagram, there's Instagram insights as well. So there's a lot to glean from. Yeah. what they're already attracting yeah. but then I think if the person themselves is not necessarily social media savvy which a lot of the people aren't but their clients might be um there's a you know we've been recommending the census report um which oh the social media report. Yeah, yeah it is amazing yeah. um just in terms of even where they hang out online yeah. and and what ages and things like that um because I think there's also yeah some people who might not think that their customer is on social media but that's because they're not, you yeah. know, their customers may be. Um, but outside of that, there's also census material around offline. Yeah. There's you know, customer spend and things like that if they definitely aren't a market that's on social media. Um, but I think there's also a little bit of a perception that um, social media is only for product-based businesses, but we're starting <laughs> to see a real influx of good social media accounts for service-based yeah, businesses. And that definitely. I think is probably – there's an opportunity there <laughs> for, for, for a lot of um, for people to stand out and to probably gain a little bit of momentum yeah definitely so if someone gets the opportunity to be one-on-one with their ideal customer what questions should they be asking them in terms of research yeah like if you so pain say points 100 all the way yeah. Yeah. yeah understanding what keeps them up you know what relevant to their product or service mm-hmm. what keeps them up at night what is their pain and like how does their like you know as a as a business owner how you think your product or service solves their problem yep. but you need to go out and validate that so if you're standing in front of your ideal customer you know we would the first thing we'd ask is what's your pain points how can we solve them yeah you know because that's that is creating that's our you know needs and wants and <laughs> <laughs> your product or service meeting those would you would you phrase it exactly like that what are your pain points or would you um, or what depend. keeps you up at night what are your biggest challenges at the moment yeah um you know, I, I, there's many ways, but I think uh, it's put a bit depend on whether it's a product or a service. And yeah, you know, if that's it's, true. You know, if you're selling dummies <laughs> versus selling, you know, like it, different products can be product. There's a lot of products out there that are just desirable, but you could probably live without yeah. them. So if it was like a fashion business and you had like a really aspirational 
two and a half thousand dollar handbag it probably wouldn't be a pain point <laughs> um but, it, but i think it the would question be, would be around who do you look to and yeah how does this make you feel like it would be more yeah. around desire so yeah how it makes you feel like it makes you feel confident or it makes you feel luxurious or something yeah yeah, yeah that's great Different that's so valuable play. And you ladies are also really big on email marketing. <laughs> I love that. And you have an email marketing basics five-day challenge, which I will link to in the episode show notes. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so important for small business owners to focus on growing their email list rather than on growing their Instagram following or their Facebook following, which is where so many of them tend to focus? Yeah. I think um, I think social media is a, a big starting point because it's a like it's almost like a window to your business. So if you're a business and you don't you know have a social media account or you've got like 10 followers, like that's where people do a lot of their research. So you know, people don't know from the outset how many people you have in your email subscriber file, but they can come check you out online and see how many followers you've got. And unfortunately, it's it is unfortunate, but that seems to be a representation of yeah. um how successful a business is so I think that's it's an easy it's easy to, to focus on because it's like having everything out there in the what in the on the interwebs yeah um <laughs> but I think the the reason why we love email marketing and is because it's yours they're your customers they've asked to hear from you um not that you own their email address but in one way in some ways you do in terms of you've you know providing you've done it all correctly and got all of your opt-ins right they've actually want to hear from you. So, you know, for us, I think it's probably resonated even more lately since a lot of the changes with Facebook Zero have happened. Um, A lot of small businesses are reporting a really big drop in their reach. And obviously now, you know, the more recent announcements with us moving, um, you know, all of the privacy issues and all of those sorts of things, the cost per click on advertising has increased. Mm, everybody's sort of noticed all of those and I think it probably just shows a perfect example of if you've got all of your eggs in one basket which in that instance might be Facebook when you know everything hits a fan then you know you've sort of lost your ability to communicate directly with your customer but if you have your customers on your email subscriber file you can continue to talk to them you know um so it, it just I think there's so many good and quick and affordable if not free email service providers now you can create your own subscriber file and your own marketing strategy email marketing strategy really easily it's not as scary as what it sounds and it's just a really big safety net for small business to have you're not at the mercy of the algorithms and you know um facebook's obviously you know the reach has really dropped off and so everyone's sort of flocking to instagram but inevitably that's going to go the same way when it's owned by facebook and um you just don't want to be in a position because obviously it's all about getting traffic to your website and you know email marketing is a perfect way you're only one click away to getting trapped to the website and people generally from an email don't have any problems going clicking through but Mm. and i i do this myself i'm never so keen to click away from instagram to go through yeah i don't tend to click off facebook that much so we think um a, people are pretty choosy about who they hand their email address over to. So if they've handed it to you, they're a warmer lead. Definitely. They are, um, statistics show that they're much more likely to convert and when they do convert, they spend more 
So we could go on for days, <laughs> but we just, we would say if any small business owner out there is listening and you're just starting out, don't delay, um, get, get your subscribes, you know, yep. set up your, um, opt-ins and, and start collecting email addresses, even if it's just, you know, you're touching base with them once a month, because before long, you'll realize that email marketing is very crucial to, to getting traffic to your website yeah. and that's really where you're converting so i think i read somewhere that you ladies built your email list before or started building your email list before you even launched yep. is that right did. how did you do that we just had a landing page with we us. did subscribe yeah. um yeah so we so i, I was just going to say to that to jack's point before even if you are just you know starting to get starting out and you haven't got your website set up um or um, you know, you've started maybe some social pages to get some interest, then definitely have a click link, um, you know, to, to start that. So that you can also use it as a bit of an announcement tool, to be honest with you. So once you do go live, then people are told that you're there and it's um, a great point. I think you made a point before, Jax, about just doing it monthly and something that I think small business owners um, often fear is the regularity and the quantity and how they much freak work. out about it because yeah. they think they have to email every week what am I going to yeah. say and I think you know as we say with everybody <laughs> do what is available to you you're better to do something well and do it consistently, consistently yeah. than having to try and do it more than you can are capable of and then just failing and then just you know dropping the ball so um, you can even be as honest in your um, email campaign as to say that we're just starting out. Um, you won't be hearing for us for a little while, but we want to make sure that we let you know when we'll be available. So yeah. people don't mind that, you know. Set expectations. Um, yeah. It's really comes Definitely. back to customer profiling yeah. as well, <laughs> making sure that you're communicating. You know, people think, all oh, right, I'm going to have to think of something fresh every fortnight or every month to talk about or if I'm product-based business. They think it's just about product, product, product the whole time, but it's you know it's a it's more than that, and it's about yeah. talking to them about things that other things that are complementary, non-competing brands and things like that. So we think yeah. the people that do it well with email marketing are consistent, and they're um, they're adding value and serving their warm audience. Yeah, to build so that trust for someone with a product-based business, maybe they haven't even launched yet. What would you recommend that they send to their email list? If they want to email them consistently and regularly, what would you recommend? Before launch? Before launch or after launch? I or? think um, some behind the scenes would, would be brilliant. I think yeah. it, it, it depends on the brand. Some brands are really um, cloak and dagger before they launch. Yeah. They don't really like to let the cat out of the bag about anything, which depends on your strategy. But if, yeah. you're, if you're not shy about what your business is about, there's so much you could yeah, talk about yeah. behind the scenes, creation, um, your story. story. Um, I also think, you know, maybe complementary products and things like that. So if you're in a product-based business that, um, you know, there might be something that's complementary, you can talk about that as a general interest, like understanding back, going back to your customer profile and knowing what their pain points are and what, you know, their interests are. Um, that's a really good way. Um, depending on your ethics um you know we follow a lot of people who do a really good job of communicating what they're doing from an environmental perspective within their business mm -hmm. from the manufacturing side to delivery yeah um and i think that's a really good story because again you're talking to you obviously have a customer who's interested in the earth you yeah. know um and things like that a lot of people did stuff on earth day which i thought was really yeah. good if that was what their business was surrounded yeah. by and obviously you need to make sure you're not hypocritical about that but 
you know, be true yeah. to your brand. Um, but yeah, definitely could talk about our coming soon. I think a great opportunity to convert these people into sales if you do have a coming soon pri- product pre-order. is to pre-order mm, yeah. um, or to at least be on another list then that is obviously let me know when the product's out. And that can be a bit of a lead magnet as well. It could be like sign up to our VIP list to get advanced purchase opportunity or, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This art's endless. (laughs) We could talk today. (laughs) All right. So what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in email marketing? So they've signed up for their free MailChimp account. Now what do they do? Okay. Well, they make sure that they've got um, their opt-in. So on their website, um, above the fold, so that you want to see it. You don't want to hide it down the bottom. You want it to be front and center. Well, best practice is three places. So pop-up above the fold and usually one other spot yeah. so for someone website. who doesn't know what above the fold is sorry it's what you see before you scroll yeah um and so yeah and then obviously making sure that you're utilizing all of your social media real estate where possible to get that subscribe um option in so um instagram would be Linktree. Um, promote it in your content on Instagram as well. Facebook, there's um, you can integrate with Mailchimp and have and utilize the button as a sign up button. I think if you um, have the ability to create what we call a lead magnet or a freebie, for want of a better word, um, and look for a product based business that might be a percentage off deal or it might be free shipping deal or it could be something that's not dollar significant. It could be just a value add. Um, which is more likely for service-based business, it's a really good way of ensuring that you're getting a lot of people to click through. Um, So I think creating something like that that is deliverable to the people that do sign up is nice to have and almost an expectation in some ways these days. You need to have some type of freebie Um, as an incentive, I think, unless you're just a massive brand where people Um, just want to... Well, you have because brand loyalists who just yeah. can't wait to That's hear right. from you. If you're yeah. Apple, it's probably a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I would suggest that the most important email after they sign up is the welcome email that they receive from you. So yeah. not only the delivering of the free whatever, but also an introduction to your business, how often they're going to hear from you, what they're going to hear about. What you're um, about, like your yeah. backstory and um, yeah. a bit about yourself. The um, this statistic might not be 100% accurate, but the welcome email open rate is above 50%. So I think it's like about wow. 60%. And of those people that click on your welcome email, 40% of those go on to open every email from you f- for the next quarter. Wow. So it's pretty compelling to nail your welcome email. And um, a lot of people don't do that simple step. They just give the confirmation that's yeah. um, mm. automatic as part of, you know, the yeah. MailChimp setup. And I think... Um, that's just an opportunity lost because you can also put in your um, welcome email, you know, you can update that as frequently as you like. So you can have a current offer in there as well, for want of a better word. I mean, we put on ours, our most recent blogs, you know, so we're sort of value adding to people that, well, come learn more about us. We think you might find this relevant. So we try to have a blog on there that's going to serve the tribe and get them to, you know, know us a bit better and build that trust. Yeah. I'm glad you're talking about this because we're going to be looking at email marketing in the next couple of episodes. And what big no-nos do you see people making with their email marketing when they're new? Not communicating at all. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I don't know that MailChimp would really let you do this, but some people might think it's a good idea to buy or rent a list. Mm. And I can tell you that if you did that, you would be kicked off pretty much MailChimp immediately because it's poor on the reputation side of things and it's 
sending unsolicited email is not only a bad idea from the fact that you'll get kicked off my machine, but it's not good for your brand either. Yeah. You don't really want to. So damaging to your brand. It's so damaging. So. And I'm sure as part of large female business Facebook groups, you've probably received a few unsolicited emails from there well, as well. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. If it's one-on-one, someone just sending me a direct yeah. note, that'd be one thing. But if it's a brand that's, you know, just grabbed, yeah. you know, that the rented lists, there's, you know, device or there's sniffing applications on the internet. So they're just pulling your email address from the internet and then they're dodgy and they just, you're immediately, if I got an unsolicited email from a small business, I would have quite a negative yeah. view I don't know maybe I'm more fussy than most but no, I just would be like that's not no. cool I'm the same I People got are too busy now your email bo- yeah. inbox is just too busy already like you don't need to be bothered by people you haven't asked to be bothered yeah. by yeah I just think and especially yeah. if so what I found is I get a lot of emails just unsolicited emails from like as part of a newsletter onto my business email address and I never use that to sign up for mm. anything. The only time I'll use it in a Facebook group is if someone is asking for, for an, an inquiry yeah, or something yeah. else, they'll reach out to me. And like the other day I got one for this new brand that was launching and I actually, I replied to them and I told them, I gave them like bullet points why they shouldn't be doing this because mm. it's so bad. Yeah. yeah. So that, that would definitely be something we wouldn't recommend. Yeah. What else? What other no-nos? Um, just probably only selling and not serving yeah like i read the other day that brands either completely over promote and never serve or they only serve and never promote (laughs) (laughs) but i think probably with product-based businesses they can just it's just promote 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 and Again, if you I think well, yeah. you could probably do that, but yeah. maybe not as a small business. It probably comes back to everything we say as well and goal setting. But if you set out without a strategy as to what you want to achieve by it, then you're probably going to be a little bit haphazard around what you send and when you send, and you're more likely to just promote and sell product because that's an easy it's, pull. Because so. it's Wednesday and you have to get an email yeah. out and you yeah. don't know what to do, so you just put it. So I think you know it comes back to your entire digital marketing strategy as well, but not only with your content, but actually really sitting down with email and seeing what you want to achieve by it, you know, how many subscribers you want to grow or need to grow so that you can convert X into this and then you can get that per sale off it. And then from there you can work backwards as to not only, you know, going back to your customer profile and saying, um, what is my pain point? So can I offer them something for free that is going to help them with that pain point so that they will come onto my subscriber file so that then when I do talk to them, they're going to actually purchase. So actually putting a little bit of strategy around the entire funnel. program and yeah. funnel. Um, if you don't do that, I think you'll just find that you'll be reactive and then yeah. you won't necessarily see the results that you would have liked to have seen. You know? Yeah. And probably also not, having the time or not finding the time to dedicate to it yes. it's tough yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the working on your business task rather than in it yeah. it's a discipline but I don't think people should um you know like sometimes I think people think they need to recreate content but we're really big advocates for you know once you have a piece of content so if you've created and put spent a bit of time in a blog you've got a post on your socials there oh, you've probably got quite a few multiple, if you break yeah. up those yeah. paragraphs you've yeah. got an email campaign you know again there's many that you can do you've got interviews to be able to provide to other guest bloggers or for them to provide you know to ask your view you know like you can actually 
one piece of content can go a long way in your yeah. business. Um, and we revisit old blog posts that we did in our early days because we sometimes come back and go, this is really relevant. Well, we only had 30 subscribers yeah. when we sent that interview out. Like we had yeah. an interview recently that we resent because we've you know got a lot a, more than that. And so like so much of our subscriber file hadn't seen that content. Yeah. So yeah. I think initially it was mainly friends and family that had signed up to our email list anyway, so that I could probably... Yes. Yeah, yeah. So when you first started Two Girls and a Laptop, how did you prioritise the growth tasks rather than the busy tasks? We didn't. We made mistakes in the first month. We overcommitted. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, like, booked in, like, four clients in a week or something and we were, like, burning the midnight oil and stressing With all out. of our children in part-time care yeah um so but that was just something you learn you know we just wanted to we just said yes to the revenue which any small business owner wants to do like you don't want to you know instead of pays instead of just spacing them out a bit more yeah so after that learning um it's only booking yeah what we can handle as opposed to just yeah but I think, you know, that's just small business life. You sort of stumble over it's a few things. Feast or famine sometimes, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, you Literally. have to take the business when it comes. You can't knock it back. I think we probably, we would, you know, back in the whole, in our head of customer service and thinking we need to deliver on something in this amount of time, whereas really our clients wouldn't have cared if it was an extra two or three weeks yeah. down the track from our perspective and we've since found that as well from people they're really understandable and that's like working in your target market right we're mothers mm-hmm. of small children if something goes wrong which inevitably it always will quite a lot of our target market are in the same space so you know there was an incident where my little boy had to have an operation recently and we had to postpone something and it was never ever questioned as to yeah. You know, you can't deliver. It was completely understood. So we're really blessed that we work in a, in a space. And part of that's also part of the why that we work in that space yeah. as well because we've got that understanding. So, um, yeah, I think in the early days we didn't necessarily do it well. But since we've, we've definitely sat down um, and something that's worked for us more recently is um, – putting a bit of a product development calendar together, whether that's a product or a service, so that we can realistically create new products and services or new objectives for the business, but still whilst maintaining revenue revenue on our current things. And that's been really good for us. I think in a time management perspective, particularly, because then we know what we've got to create, but as well as what we've got to do. So um, again, when you're only working part-time hours, there's limited time to do things like that. And you do get stuck in, you know, either one or the other. Um, you know, there's been months where we've had our headspace purely in creation and we've dropped the ball on our sales strategy on getting, you know, the money in. The the money job, in yeah. um, and then we've gone, okay, hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we need, we need to we get need back to in that space. So. It's a fine balance. It's a very it tough is, balance yeah. to get. What are five quick tips you'd give to a small business owner who wants to spend less time working in their business and start working on it? This is something that we were asked the other day, <laughs> not five tips, but this is one of the five. Um, play, pay close attention to your ideal customer. As businesses, we want to be heard. In fact, we need to be heard to survive, but don't be so busy talking your brand that you forget to listen to your customers. Ah, that's good. Yeah. I like that. I asked to come up with a tweetable quote. I thought uh-huh. that was, yeah. Well, I also think that um, setting aside a time, whether that's one morning, a quarter to step away from your business and don't even take your laptop, don't even take your phone if you can, um, and actually sit down, use hard paper, don't get distracted. Whatever the hour is available to you to do it, um, 
it will just put you in the right mindset. I mean, at the end of last year, we did a six-month review and we literally sat on a picnic blanket by the water, the two of us, because we didn't want to be distracted by anything in our you know immediate surrounds but also by technology more so. Um, and we mind mapped and we often mind map. That's just something that's come from our corporate days but used hard pen and paper and got strategy down. Um, and we did all the yeah. hard tasks straight away before we got hungry. <laughs> you know, when you get towards lunchtime and you start to get a yeah. bit hungry. Yeah. Like, so, um, yeah, that was... That I was think you just have to make the time to actually step away um, because otherwise it will never happen. You know, yeah. there will always be something. But just by simply doing that one hour or two hours or whatever it is in the frequency, you then find the tasks so that you have to do are actually driven by a goal anyway so you don't feel like you're just running. Yeah into nowhere (laughs) yeah that leads me as a bit of a segue to the point i was going to make and that was understanding that having a plan is going to make all of your other tasks easier yeah because i think we as small business owners we have to do lists as long as our arm and like if your my if your mindset starts to slip a little bit you're less clear Mm. and you you know you wake up and you feel overwhelmed or you feel negative about the business and you just do half a task and then something else comes up and you I think sometimes your execution can suffer, but when you have that plan, the path is clear, and when the path is clear, you feel positive and, yeah. and you know your direction and you probably have a little bit more trust and faith in the process and, and in what you're doing. I think that's really important. And I've got one um, which could, for want of a better word, is networking, and that can be virtually done as well, online as offline, but I certainly think by joining communities of like-minded um, business owners or, you know, in, in industries that you are in, there's a, you know, providing you find the right people and the right group, you know, when you do work for yourself or in small groups, it's really good to have somebody else to bounce ideas off. And I think you actually start to think a little bit big picture as opposed to in the detail, or even if it is to actually get some advice on something yeah. that is detailed, yeah. um, that's working on your business. You know, that's not working in it. Um, so I definitely think, broadening your circle of people um and it also promotes your brand you know like you you start to get collaborations forming which is really good for small business as well and you never know who the people you're networking with know exactly what it can lead to that's one of our priorities for the year is we've done really well with the virtual networking but now we just need to get out from behind the laptop and get in front of people's faces it's very easy yeah it's a bit harder with a young family it's easy to get stuck behind your anonymous online business very easy to do that yeah the the last one i think is engaging with someone like ourselves (laughs) a shameless plug but i do think there are a lot of professionals out there um and different levels and and for different things but it's outsourcing for want of a better word but actually engaging with someone who might be able to support you um, definitely and and getting the expertise that you potentially don't have Um, so whether that's for business planning or whether it's for social media management or whether it's for email marketing strategy or whatever it is um, I think there's always going to be a need for you to go outside of your business and get some support and realizing that that's actually investment that will pay itself back yes it's not not exactly I think people just think well I can't afford you know three hundred dollars but it's like you can't afford not to yeah (laughs) and there's a lot of um we've we've talked about this as well now there's a lot also of multidiscipline virtual assistants out there who can also support you administratively within your business so that you can get on and actually work on it as opposed to in it so I think that's a really good way um, small business can actually start to 
scale without actually physically having to employ somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And once you start delegating tasks, it's actually kind of addictive. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good feeling. Yes. All right. So to finish up, I just want to reflect. I want you guys to reflect back on your first nine, 10 months in business. What advice would you give now to your pre-business self or your pre-business selves? Outsource sooner the things that yeah need to be um which is a bit it's a bit of a hard one but mm. we'd probably try and nip some things in the bud sooner um without investing so much time um, i think take your time and don't feel rushed um you know we we certainly had an example for ourselves where we rushed a product um because we wanted to get it out there quickly before christmas holidays and yeah. it flopped um, it cost us it cost us money um you know, but that's, again, something that you learn in small business. We're not sort of devo about it. But I think since then, having that experience, we now know if we actually put the time into dedicating a proper, you know, considered launch with all of the aspects that we talk about, um, you know, then yeah. then you can actually make an assessment on it based on knowing that you've done it and everything could. So, um, yeah, there's an argument to say not always quality over quantity, but I – disagree <laughs> um yeah I think that was probably one of the bigger things we learned for sure yeah yeah and probably the other thing and it's it's a work in progress for both of us but we you know we struggle with the mum guilt and it, yeah. running a small business is really time consuming and it eats into lots of parts of your life and some days we really struggle with guilt and whether it's that we're not being the best wives or partners or parents like you just have to be kind to yourself and we knew that I guess we kind of knew that from the outset but we didn't really realize you know how tricky it can be at times and I think it's just be kind to yourself and um realize that it's there's highs and lows and definitely getting back to that mindset again you just gotta yeah. And what's been your biggest whoops moment? <laughs> when was that time we did the Instagram and it came out sideways? Yeah, the Instagram was... live? Oh. <laughs> or it came up upside down or something? Yeah. We deleted it. It was fine. Oh. <laughs> um, have we ever embarrassed ourselves on a public forum? No, I don't think so. Um, we've never sent any really dodgy email. I did that in my corporate days, so that's something that probably... Um, you sledged someone and then sent the email to them? Yeah. No, is that what you did? Yeah, I think so. But that was way, 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 way. But it sticks, obviously, in my mind. I, I think our biggest whoops moment comes back to that product launch we did. That's probably one thing that we yeah, always remind ourselves of, which was not necessarily a public whoops, but it was us just going, yeah. Let's just get it out. Call. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things you learn, you learn from your mistakes. So you do. It's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And what, what do you think has been your biggest growth moment? Uh, probably using a lead magnet, like the five day challenge. Yeah. Um, we definitely saw some really significant growth there. Um, not only in, I think the subscriber file, but, um, we sort of clicked over a next level of engagement across all of our sort of um, socials and even direct contact with people. We've just found that, um, you know, even by being here with you, mm. we've started to, you know, really build our profile, I think, in the community off the back of that as well. Um, so, yeah, we're starting to see some really yeah. good traction come through. Collaborations have always been good for us as well. Um, yes. Just so much. One thing that we really love about uh, the female business community in Australia is just how eager and open people are to collaborate and just that real sense of community over competition. And we just, 
Hill yeah. said before that she mm. like we love the space. We think it's yeah that just, there seems to be this sense of nice. I know we certainly feel it that um, there's enough business to go around, and yeah. if, like we've had a like a business come to ask and ask us to present to their um, their audience. And some would say that we were in direct competition with each other, actually, because because yeah. what they do and what we do. But they were like, "No, come in and yeah. and, and present," and That's it was great. brilliant. Like we were yeah. able to, um, we got good exposure. But their audience had actually asked for us, which gave which made us feel a bit chuffed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yes. Well, thank you very much, ladies. You've been amazing, and I'm sure our listeners will get a lot of positive advice from this. Tell us where they can find a little bit more about you if they're interested in learning more or doing your email challenge or working with you. Yeah, so we've got our website, which is twogirlsandalaptop.com. And um, on all of our socials, our handle is at twogirlsandalaptop. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of places. Um, And our contact details are out there as well. So call us or email us. Like we are totally, we do free discovery calls. So if people just want to have a chat and talk through how we might be able to support them, we're totally open to that. And we've also got a group, um, a Facebook group and community as well that we welcome people in in this space that want to come on and share and be supported. We, We certainly invite anyone out there that's listening to come and join that community. Yeah, definitely. Wow, you certainly have a lot on your plate. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah.